0: This program is part of Full Service Radio, an internet radio station and podcast network with over 32 weekly shows broadcasting from the lobby of the Line Hotel in Adams Morgan, Washington, D.C. All of our hosts are Washington, D.C. locals covering stuff like music, arts, culture, identity, politics, and so much more. Visit fullserviceradio.org for all of our programming and enjoy the show. And Full Service Radio is also proudly supported and hosted by Simplecast, the easiest way for a podcast creator to publish and distribute audio on the internet. For more information, visit Simplecast.com. That's Simplecast.com.
1: Good morning, and welcome to Beer Me on Full Service Radio, broadcasting live from the Line Hotel in Adams Morgan, Washington D.C. I am your host, Sarah Jane. Uh, now, this is uh, our one of our first show. This is our first show, um, and I want to introduce myself a little bit. Uh, so, I am actually from this area, uh, Northern Virginia. I went to culinary school in New York and discovered my love of good beer thanks to my. Portland, Oregon native roommate. Uh, Fast forward, I studied beer in grad school, was a beer director, general manager of a beer bar. Currently, I teach and write, and I still love beer. Um, But I am not the main draw of the show. Beer is. Beer is a really beautiful community, um, and we will be exploring different facets of that community one week at a time. Every week, I will have a different guest from different parts of the beer world from importers to bartenders to brewers to educators um to kind of help us explore uh this world so whether you're new to beer or you're seasoned professional we will have something for you uh so today Um, Our guest is Katie Marisik. Uh, She is the Federal Affairs Manager at the Brewers Association, which is a non-for-profit trade association dedicated to small and independent American craft brewers. Katie, thank you so much for joining us on our very first day. Thank you for having me. I'm very excited to be here. So um, as a very sweet guest, you have brought us a beer to kick off our Monday morning.
2: Uh, Can you tell me a little bit about what you brought here? Absolutely. Uh, I brought Trogues Java Head Stout. Since it is uh, still technically morning, I Mm -hmm. thought something coffee would be pretty nice. Trogues is near and dear to my heart. It's from very close to my hometown in Pennsylvania. It's about 7.4% and it is delicious. I look forward to trying some with you. Nice. We're pouring out
1: a little bit right now. Thank you again for bringing this. So I'm assuming that you had successful holidays all around. Absolutely. Cheers. Mm-hmm. Uh, so as it was just New Year's, did you enjoy
2: any any good beers for New Year's? I did indeed. Uh, you know, it's so great being in Washington, D.C. right now. There are so many wonderful restaurants that have really upped their beers that they have to pair with their food. So some friends and I went to tip cow for new year's nice uh, which is delicious laotian food um and i had the alpine pure hoppiness and it paired very very well with my spicy dishes that was one of the first beers i had other things that i think i had that evening um a little bit of Trogue's dear peter Mm -hmm. which is a peach wild ale it's got a good story um the peaches were one of those things that uh I think the farmer couldn't sell them. There was something wrong with them. Trogues took it and they turned it into a really delicious beer. What else did I have? There were many beers I had for New Year's <laughs> just to celebrate. So you did New Year's properly. We did New Year's properly. <laughs> yeah. I'm lucky because we were able to do the full holidays properly. And uh, I, as I said, I was from central Pennsylvania. And one of my traditions when I'm going home every year is to meet some friends at Trogues. This year, we were only there maybe for like a quick hour, hour and a half, but I got to try a beer called Mad Dreams, which is a half and half of Dreamweaver and Mad Elf, and it was great. Oh, wow. <laughs> I've actually never been to their tasting room. What is it like? Do they
1: have like offerings for food and everything? Or
2: They do, uh, and the food is really, really good. I could wax poetic about that for a while. It's set <laughs> up cafeteria style, but it is high quality fare for sure. Um And the tasting room is huge. It's located in Hershey, Pennsylvania. It's right by Hershey Park and the outlets, which I'm sure makes plenty of parents very, very happy. Super kid-friendly place, set up like a German beer hall. You can walk through an area where you can see the equipment and, you know, sometimes you can see stuff canning. One time I was there and there was uh Nugget Nectar Canning, Another Time Nimble Giant. You can see it, but you can't get it. It's kind of heartbreaking. <laughs> but it's, it's pretty cool, and it's always a fun place to go. It's definitely worth checking out, and the expanded parking, which is very key. <laughs>
1: uh, so for those of you who aren't familiar uh, with this brewery, uh, we do get it in D.C., mm-hmm. a decent amount, um, and typically they do their Nugget Nectar release at uh, Church Key, mm-hmm. um, a bar here on 14th Street, very near and dear to my heart. Um so you started off life in Pennsylvania, completely spoiled uh, by the beer
2: culture <laughs> there what uh what brought you to d c how'd you get there? Uh, like most people, work brought me to washington d c but yeah, uh, started off life in Pennsylvania, very spoiled uh, had a had parents who were pretty passionate about traveling and trying new things, and one of the things that was not fun at all when I was a younger kid, but was much funner, much more fun as I got older was when we'd be out in California or up in New Hampshire or somewhere else. There was always at least one brewery visit on that vacation, which if they had root beer and pretzels, big plus, uh, (laughs) that was not the case all the time. So it was more just me tapping my feet, getting ready to go, but it helped instill, you know, kind of a love because when I finally turned 21 and was able to try those beers, I, I saw why there was uh, that passion and those the desire to go there
1: all right so pro
2: tip for all you brew pubs out there have root beer and pretzels for small children please do <laughs> yeah um, so central Pennsylvania went to school in Pittsburgh I worked on political campaigns for a little bit uh, spent some time in Thailand and then, and, well, actually, sorry, reverse that. Spent some time in Thailand, then worked on political campaigns and inevitably made my way down to Washington, D.C. Uh, I was a lobbyist for, I want to say, six or seven years working in financial services. Very, very sexy stuff. Ooh, <laughs> um, and then I was lucky enough to be able to get the job as the Brewers Association's federal lobbyist and I could not be more excited about it. I get to represent the nation's 6,000 small and independent craft brewers, and you know they are, they're an amazing bunch of people. They're creating jobs, bringing manufacturing back to the country, and they're very passionate about what they do, and they also happen to create a product that both I and it seems many other people seem to enjoy.
1: Yeah, so what does your, you know, what does your day-to-day look like?
2: Oh, I just do podcasts all day, drink <laughs> beer. It's fantastic. So um, no, No, uh, my day-to-day is pretty simple. I spend the majority of my time on Capitol Hill. I think the last time I looked, there are only seven congressional districts that do not currently have breweries in them. I'm hoping that's changed. Uh, I'm sure our economists will let me know if I am wrong <laughs> on that. But... We make a goal to make sure that we're interacting with every single mem- member of Congress to tell them what, you know, craft breweries are doing, the ways that they impact other industries, be that manufacturing or agriculture or retail, um, how they're creating jobs. Craft breweries have great stories about how they got started. Uh, a lot of them end up coming from home brewing is great there are so many passionate home brewers in the united states which is fantastic it's not surprising that they've translated into opening a lot of their own breweries And they have
1: a pretty strong association, the Home Brewers Association. They do. Definitely worth something checking out. And I think, you know, D.C. has their own chapter, so.
2: The D.C. chapter is very strong. And actually, the Brewers Association and the American Home Brewers Association are interrelated. We work together on things. And I actually work with two of the people at the Home Brewers Association to do a homebrew on the hill competition. And we do this great competition where we invite anybody who works on Capitol Hill, so... Hill staffers from the House and Senate, members of Congress, uh, Capitol police officers, to participate in home brewing. And then we do you know, a competition. We award them this great trophy. It looks like the bill from Capitol Hill, mm-hmm. except he's, his button says beer on it. <laughs> uh, I like to take him around, take pictures of him in different <laughs> different Capitol Hill spots. Then we actually, at our end of the year, a tasting reception that we do, we have started serving the beers that are entered in that competition. So it's a great way for people to try things that their colleagues have made, and also for us to share, you know, how cool homebrewing is.
1: Nice. So what are some, what are some issues that you have kind of worked on in the past couple months uh, to help
2: uh, craft brewers? One of the main things that we were, that we've been working on, or that I've been working on since I've started, uh, is to lower the federal excise tax for small and independent brewers. You no know, Breweries pay a ton of money in taxes. They're a highly regulated industry. Uh, and the federal excise tax is an additional tax on top of what other small businesses pay. Uh, so we worked on a bill to reduce that. Currently, uh, the majority of independent brewers that you'll see in the country, if they produce less than 2 million barrels of beer a year, they pay $7 a barrel on their first 60000 and then 18 on anything above that. Uh, we worked on a bill that would lower that Kept the two million demarcation. Said the first sixty thousand barrels go from seven dollars a barrel to three dollars and fifty cents a barrel, and then from eighteen to sixteen. That's uh, huge. Yeah, it's a it's a pretty big deal. No matter no matter what your size is, uh, it's called the Craft Beverage Modernization and Tax Reform Act, and it's a popular bill in Congress. Uh, it had three hundred and three co-sponsors in the House. 54 in the senate uh, a lot of broad bipartisanship support we were actually able to get a two-year version or provision of that language passed at the end of this year so we are hoping that our members are going to have a little more money in their pocket based off of this bill passing and they've already been pretty vocal about how they're going to use that to expand their business whether that's reinvesting in uh Buying new tanks, maybe deciding to go into new markets, hiring new people, getting a canning line or a bottling line—we uh, think that it's going to have a good imp- impact on our industry. So we will be working, hopefully, to make that permanent. But you know, we took the first step forward, and we are excited for our members. Yeah, and you know, I was s-
1: surprised that there's just so much uh, that we had that you know that you all had to get. Um, You know, regulation kind of adjusted for. I mean, there's uh, being allowed to serve uh, beverages outdoors on like patios, that kind of thing. What are some other projects that you've worked on?
2: Oh, yeah. You know, so I work on the federal stuff specifically. um, And thanks to a fantastic thing called prohibition and the 21st Amendment, uh, we have the three tier system. And the three tier system means that the majority of alcohol legislation is decided at the state level. So for a place like Washington, D.C. in particular, and I hope I don't mess any of these up, but you've got places like D.C. Brow that have been open for six years, uh, Three Stars has been open for five years, uh, and then Atlas, Bright Proper, others, Four, and so forth. When a lot of those breweries started, uh, the tasting rooms were open Saturday for like four to five hours. Mm -hmm. And you were allowed to give away 12 ounces of beer, and that was it. So you could have people taste your beer. Wait, so you had to give it away? You had to give it, away. Give it away, yes. You couldn't sell it. Yes, you could not sell it. Uh, you could sell growlers, mm-hmm. um, but you could do, you know, however however you wanted to dispense that beer. Uh, at some point, they did switch it over, so you were allowed to start charging for beer, whether that was for pints of beer. Um, yeah, for pints of beer and tasters and whatnot. Some people adopted that fairly quickly others it took a little bit longer um but the dc government has been very very open and open to working with brewers and distillers mm-hmm. and uh, now i think we have our first winery in washington dc oh yeah district winery down uh, mm-hmm. down uh, by the stadium yep Um, Now, you know, they were open to working with them and doing what they could do to help foster those businesses growing. Uh, I think that they saw the benefit of having things that are manufactured and made in Washington, D.C. And I don't, you know, I don't think beer can take full credit for it. But since I've lived here, I think it's been almost a decade. We have seen a lot of growth of made in D.C. and local. And I think that's fantastic. And I'm excited that beer has been able to be a part of that. And you'll see it too. On a Saturday, you can go to a tasting room. Uh, It's a nice place to hang out. Like I said, you can take your kids. You can meet your friends there. The number of birthday parties and baby showers (laughs) that I have seen happening at breweries always blows my mind. But it's a great place for the adults to go and hang out and have fun. So I think it's pretty cool. And we are hoping to see, you know, hoping to see that continue through states around the country. Georgia actually just last year, Uh, made it so you can buy beer in tasting rooms and they were the 50th state to uh, follow through with that so we expect that there's going to be a lot new a lot of new breweries opening in Georgia soon and the ones that are already there which some of them are fantastic I think we've talked about like creature comforts Mm -hmm. before Uh, Monday night all of them are going to have the ability to sort of change you know change and grow their model if they want to
1: yeah. Congratulations, Georgia.
2: <laughs> yes, we're all very happy. I can't wait. I can't wait to go visit. <laughs>
1: so a lot of these, uh, you know, I'm I'm really proud of the beer scene that we have in D.C., including the breweries, but also, you know, a lot of availability. Um, you know, there are people like Greg Engert who have really, you know, pioneered the beer world for D.C., and pretty much every restaurant that he's associated with has a really killer beer list. Um, You know, you said you've been here for a decade. I'm assuming that's it's all, it's all different. It's it, our, our glory
2: days right now are very, very different from what it used to be. They are absolutely very different from what they used to be. Now, you know, there's, there's always been something there, but I remember coming to visit when I was in college and going out to Dr. Dramos. Um, and you could always get a beat of purple haze there. And that was, that was a beer I love that and pyramid apricot. Those are for me. I, I refer them to gateway beers I used to always be able to like be out at a bar and be like hey guys you got to try this you're gonna love it and people did love it and I think you want to give people something they're gonna like first when you're introducing them to you know craft beer craft beer wine coffee whatever give Mm -hmm. people something that's accessible to them that's my that's my personal creed on that um but yeah when Rustco opened in Alexandria that was fantastic I remember when they were getting ready to open Church Key and just hearing that that was gonna be coming. I, I, I was so excited and they continue to do amazing things. I mean, DC is lucky to be able to get a lot of the beer that they can and a lot of that relates to, you know, to Greg and Jace and Drew and other people who just have done such an amazing job of building these relationships throughout the industry and making DC a place where people want to open. Um, Paradiso is another one that I have been trying to go to a lot just the beer is fantastic the pizza is fantastic but there's always something new and different that i can try there that i've never had before and i think that's great yeah dc's beer scene has made beer accessible to a lot more people and i think that's important well we are going to take a
1: short break we'll be right back to uh talk about how uh, awesome the dc beer scene is more (laughs) thank you
0: And today's break music It's by Flash Frequency Also a host on full service radio He does Leaf broadcast on Thursdays This song is called IMOB From his record called Oscillation Sensation Again that's Flash Frequency Check him out Flashfrequency.bandcamp.com And we will be right back with Beer Me
1: Welcome back to Beer Me on Full Service Radio. Uh, I am your host, Sarah Jane. We are sitting down this morning with Katie Marisik, uh from the Brewers Association. Uh, when we left off, we were talking about uh, the D.C. beer scene and how it's grown over the years. Uh, I kind of want to jump right back into that uh, as far as, you know, a lot of the lists that have developed within restaurants, uh, as well as all the breweries that have grown. I understand that you got to spend some time at Atlas Brewery, uh, which for all extents and purposes is still a relatively new brewery to the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, you want to tell me a little bit about that?
2: Of course. Yeah. You know, one of the things I forgot to mention when I said that I got the Brewers Association job would say that the question people ask me the most is how I got that job. Uh, and I hope a lot of that came from the fact that I'm so passionate about, uh, about beer and about brewing. Uh, when I was working in my... Uh, my financial services job, I really, really, really wanted to be involved in the growing beer scene. And I had a good friend, Justin Cox, uh, his wife and I worked together, who I would very sometimes homebrew with. It was always a lot of fun. And he decided that he was going to start Atlas Brew Works one day was like, you know what? I want to be a part of that. Do you think I could give you like a very minuscule amount of money and then work for you for free? (laughs) So I was working my full-time job. And then on the weekends, I was one of the people serving you those free 12 ounces of tasters. Nice. I was able to just learn so much about what goes into the industry and delve a little bit into some of those laws and some of the things that that were uh, part of allowing breweries to grow and change. And I realized you know, this is something that I'm passionate about, something I wanted to be a part of. And of course, I'd known about the Brewers Association. They had been doing some events on the Hill since I'd been in Washington, D.C., and had a growing federal presence. And they uh, they were looking for someone to do the federal affairs stuff. And I was the lucky person who was able to, you know, share my passion and my experience and end up getting that job. But working at Atlas, um, working in the tasting room, which sadly, but also excitingly for my weekends is something I'm not doing anymore, (laughs) was just a great way to experience what it was like to open, own, and operate a small and independent brewery and what went into it. I mean, it is a ton of work and it's not very glamorous, but the people that you get to meet and the people that you, uh, you can interact with and learn from, I mean, it's amazing. Some of the people in Washington, D.C., Within this industry, you know uh, Jeff and Murray from DC Brow, Julie Verratti from Denizens, uh, Bill Butcher from Port City. These people have just done so much and changed the game. And they, there's always that you know the people, everybody who opens a brewery is fun. There's all, and not the, none of those people are fun. They're very fun. Is it, it makes it sound like it's not a real business, but it is. And they're able to combine that seriousness of owning and operating a business with uh, the, the excitement and you know, enjoyment of running a brewery and owning a brewery. And I think that has people like that can really help change an industry when they're working in it. So, I mean, you got to see a brewery essentially
1: open, mm-hmm. you know, from the from the ground floor up. What are some of the major challenges that brewers face uh, when opening their their first brewery? Both naming your brewery <laughs> and naming your beers. <laughs> that that has been a massive issue in the in the beer world. I mean a lot of different lawsuits being thrown around in this little happy community because of, uh,
2: you know, trademark infringement. And I think overall, I mean, you definitely see a lot more people who are willing to work together and talk it out. But yeah, you know, as businesses grow, you do need to remember that they are businesses. So that's always going to be a potential thing. You might have the greatest name in the world for something, but make sure that it's not some, some owned by someone else. And the thing about beer is, it's in the category of alcohol. So potentially, if you want to... I don't know If I wanted to open a brewery and call it Opus One, there would be some people out there who might not be super excited about that because there's already wineries and wine that it's under a name of a similar label. There are some breweries where I've seen where they very simply just call their beer what it is. The name of the brewery? Porter. The name of the brewery? Common. Something like that. And... Then, of course, there's always the joke that anytime something happens that's, you know, politically or pop culturally relevant, there's a time, a a countdown clock for when the first brewery will come up with a with a beer with that name. But there's always stuff out there. uh, And it's it's something that it's nice to be able to see the people who want to work together if they can. It's an additional part of what makes brewers and brewery owners so cool is their desire to collaborate and work with each other. So okay, so aside from naming the brewery, um, what are some some
1: challenges that you know maybe the brewers association helps out with a little bit? Because mm-hmm. I know that you know as a as a starting brewery. Um, You know, the Brewers Association is a big support, you know, always kind of fighting for the little guy, essentially. But I I believe that, you know,
2: becoming a member of the Brewers Association has benefits for small breweries. Yeah, and we hope so. And that's something we definitely want to continue for our small, medium and large members. Of course, there are a lot of people who when they're doing their brewery and planning and getting started, uh, you know, they will become a member of the Brewers Association. A lot of people do that specifically because of the Craft Brewers Conference, which was held in Washington, D.C. last uh, in 2017. It's a big conference where people can come, and we have different education sessions, opportunities for them to meet and work with each other, uh, learn from other people about the type types of issues that you might see when you're starting a brewery. One of the things that we do that I have been trying to learn more about that I think is very cool, and yes you might not think I'm very cool after I say it, is the supply chain side of things. Brewers are known for their hop use. Now, that does not mean that every single beer is going to be a New England style IPA. But the United States hop industry is number one in the world. And that is thanks to the American craft brewers who are demanding different styles, different varietals. Uh, The Brewers Association actually announced recently that we are going to be working with the USDA Agricultural Research research Services Mm -hmm. to um, fund a new person who is going to be studying hops. And one of the things. That's cool. Yeah, it's so cool. Um, (laughs) One of the things that we're doing there is trying to find new varietals that are disease-resistant that can grow in other areas. Uh, Cornell has a pretty strong hops research program. I think that has a lot to do also with, you know, wine. You go to places like UC Davis or Cornell that have strong wine programs, they're also going to have strong beer programs as well. Virginia Tech works on barley and other hop issues. It's just really, really cool the um, background that goes into this. And the more you know, the the more we can help with that. The better it is going to be for our members. Supply chain issues as well are always something that's big. You know, breweries when they are uh, looking to go into production often are going to you know they'll all start out kegging their beer for sure, but then they're going to go into canning or bottling uh, kegs. We are doing a keg buyback program now, where we're trying to you know give give money to help find lost kegs. Keg theft is a huge issue. Go on eBay sometime and look up a keg. Look look for a keg. You're going to find tons of kegs that are stolen. The breweries need back. <laughs> um, I had no idea
1: that was such an issue until uh, you know I had recently talked to a brewer and they they were going on and on about keg theft, which yep. seems so ridiculous to me. But you know, as somebody who managed a beer bar, trying to get the kegs out of the bar, you know they take up a lot of space, and it's I mean.
2: Yeah, you put a keg in a back alley, someone comes, picks it up, takes it away. Two days later, it's on eBay set up as a grill or, you know, a table that you can use. I think it's, it, it's that type of stuff that we, we, try and, we try and work on. And there's a broad range of things that we cover for our members right now. If any of my members are listening, uh, the brewery industry survey has started. It's called BIPs. Our economist reached out to you. Please, please, please respond to him and share information with him. That's how we figure out you know, how breweries are growing, what new breweries are opening, uh, how much your production has changed over time, whether it's gone up or down. That, to me, is really important information. But it's also important to you, too, because it's how we determine the strength and you know, the future of the industry what else? I mean, membership services, we've had goals and I know that we still do it. Our membership guys, they are calling you and they're calling you constantly because they want to know what issues you are, you want to learn about, what issues are most helpful to you. We are always trying to make contact and interact with people so we can really put our fingers on the pulse of what our members need and what we can do to help them.
1: So as far, I mean, as far as like for the majority of our listeners, who I'm assuming are not professional brewers, some of you I know dream to be, and we hope that you follow those dreams. Um, but for you know the beer connoisseur or somebody new to beer, what can they do
2: um, to encourage this wonderful world in their community? So this is something, and I think you could talk about it for a while, too, that I think is extremely important. And craftbeer.com, which is a part of the Brewers Association, and the Brewers Association itself has been working on it. And that is encouraging people to be more open about choosing beer, choosing beer with your food, um, trying different pairings, trying, you know, trying, you know, your lobster with a certain type of beer, getting a fillet and get, instead of getting a glass of red wine. Opting for a beer, there are so many styles and choices out there that I guarantee you can find something that is going to be fantastic. Birch uh, and Barley was definitely a leader of that in Washington D.C. A lot of other restaurants have started adding beer pairings to go with their courses, um, and then the Brewers Association, for over a decade, has been doing an event in Washington called Savor where we do food and beer pairings and breweries from all across the country enter a lottery and they have two beers that are picked to come out and we do a uh, well not we our executive chef does a uh, does pairings for them small bites where you can where you can try you know some new things in different styles one of the ones that will always stand out to me forever was my first year working with the BA and for people who know dogfish sea quench ale um, you know, it came in an unlabeled bottle. We were trying it at a taster and they did an oyster with puffed rice and the pairing was fantastic. It was one of those beers where I'm like, I am going to drink a hundred of these beers. So, and I'm, I'm unfamiliar with this one. What, what style was it? Oh, sea quench. Mm-hmm. So you can get it now. I'm not doing an advertisement, but it, it, you know, it's a, oh my gosh, I'm going totally blank in my mind. Um, sea salt, coriander, Yes. Okay. (laughs) That is embarrassing. No, it's all right. Um, But yeah, it's, it's a beer that you know has in typical fashion has been brewed from stuff in the sea. There are proceeds that go to the National Aquarium. I think Men's Health Magazine called it a beer that will actually rehydrate you due to the salt in it. Um, But yeah, it's, it's, it's good. But those are the pairings that kind of, there are pairings that are always going to stand out and things that you might not be able to try otherwise.
1: Nice. Well, so, you know, go out there, keep drinking beer. Also, um, you know, I'm assuming that anytime you go out of town, visit a new city, go
2: to a new state, check out a, a small craft brewer. Yep. I think that is fantastic, and we would definitely appreciate it. Like I said, there's 6,000 small and independent brewers out there. Um, you are going to be able to find one. Even my tiny little town that I grew up in has their own craft brewery right now. And if you're looking for places to go, you know, we have a list of all the breweries on the BA's website, brewersassociation.org. And we also have, uh, you know, I'm sure any uh, visitors, visitor's guide also focuses on beer tourism. Yeah. Awesome. Well,
1: thank you. Thank you very much for coming in and uh, chatting with us this morning. Also, thank you uh, for the Java Head Stout. There's no better way to start your morning than, uh, than with a beer. <laughs> lower ABV is is probably for the best Uh, well thank you all for listening to our first show uh, on Beer Me on full service radio Uh, we have been broadcasting and recording live from the Line Hotel in Adams Morgan, Washington DC Um, thank you again for chatting with us about the Brewers Association, about the DC beer scene um, about exactly how uh, what you do (laughs) no thank you uh, again, my name is Sarah Jane, uh, and this show airs live every uh, Monday morning at 11 a.m. It is archived on fullserviceradio.org. You can get in touch with us on Twitter at Full R-D-O, on Instagram and Facebook at Full Service Radio, or by emailing info at fullserviceradio.org. Thank you again for listening.
0: the theme song we use today is again by Flash Frequency. It's called Foxes. If you like this guy, check him out. Not only on full service Radio Thursdays at 6 with his show Leaf Broadcast, but on flashfrequency.bandcamp.com See you next time. Thanks for listening to this program on Full Service Radio, broadcasting and recording from the Line Hotel in Adams Morgan, Washington, DC. Full Service Radio programming can be accessed live and archived on fullserviceradio.org. Our talk programming is available on most podcast apps like iTunes and Stitcher, and our DJ sets are available on mixcloud.com/slash full radio. Full Service Radio features over 30 weekly shows and over 50 local hosts covering every topic imaginable. If you want to be a guest or get involved, email us at info at fullserviceradio.org. Follow us on Twitter at Full Service R-D-O, on Instagram and Facebook at Full Service Radio. Thanks for listening.